Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We usually stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays at docwashburnshow.com. Minutes after each live stream is, con- is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 102 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Monday, March 7th, 2022. Coming up, in the light of all that's going on in our country and our world, who do you trust? But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious that the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, I'm running for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas. If you would like to support that, because I have heard from so many people thanking me for having a choice, for not having to participate in the coronation of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who they keep telling me won't answer any questions, won't talk about issues. If you'd like to support my campaign for governor, The website is electdocwashburn.com, and yes, you can give online there. And I really appreciate the the warmth and hospitality shown yesterday, Sunday, when I spoke at two Sunday morning services at Engaged Ministries Church in Lowell, Arkansas, up in northwest Arkansas. Pastor Jeff Kynard and the folks there were very nice, and I really appreciate that. Let me, uh, but before we get into this whole who do you trust situation, let me tell you just briefly about what's what's coming up. Um, because I've been asked to speak all over the state, and I'm happily looking forward to it. March 24th, 6 p.m., Conservative Constitutional Patriots at the uh, Wood Grill Buffet. No, I bet it's the Wood Grill Buffet. At the Wood Grill Buffet. <laughs> no, I think it's Jimmy Buffett, but that's a whole other show. Let me try that one again. March 24th, 6 p.m., conservative constitutional patriots will be meeting at the Wood Grill Buffet on Congo Road in Benton, Arkansas. So I'm certainly looking forward to that. Uh, also, the same day, March 24th, a little bit earlier, 11.30 a.m. for lunch, Concerned Women for America, meeting at Pleasant Valley Country Club. Looking forward to being there. Tuesday, March 22nd, I've been asked to speak at the Benton County Republican Party monthly meeting at the New Hope Assembly of God, Rogers, Arkansas. Monday, March 21st, the Washita County Republican Committee meeting at 6 p.m. at the Camden Event Center in Camden. We also have coming up on March 17th, the Faulkner County Conservatives Freedom Rally. 
uh, 5 p.m., March 17th. I believe that's at Larry's Pizza Conway. Then coming up this Thursday, this Thursday, at 5.30 p.m., Moms for Liberty, the Lone Oak chapter at the Crossroads Cafe in Cabot. And looking forward to doing a... uh, radio interview with our friends at KVRE, Tom Nichols and the crew over there in Hot Springs Village at 2.30 on um, Thursday afternoon. And Thursday morning at 11.30, the Pulaski County Republican Women meeting at the Pleasant Valley Country Club. Looking forward to that. And I'm going to be driving all the, all the way to Jonesboro Wednesday, my birthday, driving all the way to Jonesboro. There's a radio station up there, uh, KLEKFM, which uh, is trying to serve the uh, the black community of Jonesboro. And their general manager, Laganzi Kale. Laganzi Kale was uh, nice enough to uh, inquire, asked me if I wanted to do an interview said we could either do a Zoom call interview or or in-studio. I said, hey, let's do it in-studio. I'm driving to Jonesboro Wednesday for a 1 p.m. interview live on KLEK-FM in Jonesboro. So a lot coming up, a lot going on. Now, let me get back to this idea of who do you trust. Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the outstanding experts Warning, warning about misinformation about the China virus. Warning about the dangers of the vaccines. He's on Twitter today, and he has a clip of attorney Tom Renz giving testimony last Friday at the Pennsylvania State Senate asking a critical question on physician concerns over product safety and the array of databases showing alarming signals of harm in response to people receiving the vaccine and and, and the question. The question is, who do you trust? Here's attorney Thomas Renz from uh, testimony of the Pennsylvania State Legislature, State Senate, from Friday. One of the great blessings I've received is that a number of whistleblowers from various walks of life have brought me just incredible information. The DMED data is from the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database. This is the premier database in the universe. Young, healthy soldiers see an almost a 300% increase in cancer, over a 1,000% increase in neurological issues, at 2,000-plus percent in hypertension. We need to start following esteemed doctors like Dr. McCullough here, Dr. Malone, and all the, all the people that I'm working with. These guys are heroes. They're speaking out at risk to their personal reputation, their licenses. They're not making money. Meanwhile, uh, Fauci, Gates, the, these uh, tech billionaires, they're making more money than, than anyone on the planet off of this. They're getting accolades in the media. Who do you trust? Do you trust someone who I can demonstrate is a liar, or do you trust the people who are putting their neck out to try and save lives? I think I'm going to go with the latter. The people who are sticking their necks out to try to save lives, not the uh, the people who can be demonstrated have been lying to us like Fauci. Okay? Now, 
There's a video that's gone viral all over social media. A guy named Stephen Ulrich, head of Bayer Pharma. And you know, when I think of Bayer, I think of aspirin. Um, I would not have automatically put them in the same category with Pfizer or Moderna or Johnson & Johnson, but Stephen Ulrich, head of Bayer Pharma, seems intent upon doing that. And let's see what uh, what he had to say. Uh, we're really taking that leap, uh, us as a company, Bayer, uh, in cell and gene therapy, which to me is one of these examples where really we're going to make a difference, hopefully, uh, moving forward. There's some, um, the, ultimately, the uh, the mRNA vaccines uh, are an example for that uh, cell and gene therapy. I always like to say, if we had surveyed two years ago uh, in the public, would you be willing to take a, a gene, th- gene or cell therapy and inject it into your body, we would have probably had a 95 percent refusal rate. I think uh, this pandemic has also opened many people's eyes to to innovation in the way that uh, was maybe not possible before. Okay, now let's think about let's think about what he just said. Because I get the distinct impression that he's admitting that mRNA vaccines are a gene therapy. They do alter a person's genetic structure. Let's look at the, uh, the quote. If we had surveyed two years ago if people were willing to take gene or cell therapy and inject it into your body, we would have probably had a 95% refusal rate. Well, I thought gene therapy... I thought that was a conspiracy theory. But no, this is... uh, Oh, the Epic Times had it over the weekend. Video from a speech he gave in October 2021. Stephen Ulrich, a member of the Board of Management of Bayer and head of the Pharmaceuticals Division, gave a speech at the World Health Summit Focused on biotechnological innovation, he said his company is really taking that leap in cell and gene therapy. At the event's opening in Berlin, October, just this past October, he says, ultimately, the mRNA vaccines are an example for that cell and gene therapy. Well, see, if I had said that about the same time, maybe early October before they fired me at Cumulus Media, I wouldn't call the nut a crackpot. Hey, 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 hey. You're not supposed to be talking down the vaccines. Everybody's supposed to get one. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Well, I, I know who Sarah Huckabee Sanders trusts. We've got uh, somebody sent me a video when she did an interview with television station, they call it 4029 because I guess they're sister stations. I don't guess. They they are sister stations in northwest Arkansas. And they spoke to Sarah Huckabee Sanders September 14th, 2020. Now, by this time, a lot of Arkansans 
were deeply disappointed, I might even say upset with the way Governor Hutchinson was handling the Wu flu situation. But not Sarah. Check it out. Today we had a chance to speak with Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and she says she's not ruling out a run for governor. In fact, today, since the beginning of the pandemic, she commented on Governor Asa Hutchinson's handling of the coronavirus. She says she's been spending a lot of time here in Arkansas, and she's pleased with how he's handled all the COVID-19 reopenings. Listen. Governor Hutchinson has done a good job here in Arkansas. He has uh, tried to find that balance, which is very difficult in an unprecedented time of both protecting lives, but also protecting protecting livelihoods, making sure we're doing everything we can to focus on keeping people in the state healthy, but also not crippling and completely devastating businesses and communities. But he did. He did cripple and devastate businesses and communities. How many small businesses do you think were put out of business by uh, Hutchinson's um, shutdown and lockdown strategies? It's unprecedented, all right. A virus with a 99.98% survival rate. And we shut down everything. And Aza Hutchinson was only too happy to send his inspectors out from his health department to fine small businesses over the mask mandates, right? Not Walmart, not Sam's Club, not Target, not Kroger, not Home Depot, not Lowe's, not Best Buy, but the small businesses. Sarah thinks he did a great job. He uh, was able to find the balance, in Sarah's opinion. I wonder who writes this stuff for. Because people that I've spoken with, a number of people who know the family, who know the Huckabee family, have told, them, have told me that Sarah is uh, really not that aware of what the issues actually are. It's one thing if they talked to her in March 2020, we were all going, ooh, what's this crazy new virus out of China? And we're getting videos of people dropping dead in China and all this kind of stuff. But by September of 2020, when a lot of us were like, hey, 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 sick and tired of this mask business. Let's get back to real life. Remember, Governor Hutchinson was the guy who told you that for your own safety, for your own protection, you needed to wear a mask when you were going into a restaurant, but once you sat down at the table and made your drink order, you can take the mask off because everything's going to be fine then. The same virus that you could have caught standing up in the restaurant that would have killed you, it's not going to give you any problems once you have sat down and ordered your drink. Now, don't take it off before you order your drink. You know what I'm saying? This is the same Governor Hutchinson who told bars and restaurants for a while there, hey, 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 hey. You gotta close up by ten because apparently the woo flu is nocturnal. It's not that bad in the daytime, but you you trust me, you don't want to catch it around eleven or twelve at night because then it could, you know, be really bad for you. 
Sarah thought Hazel was doing a great job. What if she had any idea what kind of job Hazel was doing? Because again, again, when he endorsed her a few months ago, she said he's been doing a great job. Troubling. Troubling. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but gas prices have been going through the roof recently. And so we have a clip from Fox 11 in L.A., a reporter named Chelsea Edwards talking to folks in the Crenshaw area of L.A., which is a low-income area, about their concerns about prices at the pump. No matter where you go, you're seeing these high prices all across the Southlands. You know, for a lot of cases, people are going to have to start making the decision to whether to put food on the table or to start filling up their tanks. Here in the Crenshaw District, you can see a lot of different prices here. Uh, it is remains above average, though, and it is having a big impact on drivers. Listen here. Now, the Chiron on the video says gas prices hit $7 a gallon in L.A. Here are the people she talked to. I mean, prices were tough before because, you know, we, we're like in the lower class. And now it's like, especially here in the area of Crenshaw, you know, it's not like a higher class area. So it's, it's insane. I don't know, I have to take the train more to get to places, you know, if my mom has to drop me off at practice or stuff like that. I mean, it went up by like, I, I won't say like $20, like every time I fill up. So it does make a difference, like when you're trying to like, buy something else, you know. It's horrible. You know, I, I work a decent living, but you know, it's like that. Wow. You know, it almost makes it look like it's intentional, right? Because... Now the Biden administration is sending out signals they're going to be pleading with uh, Venezuela and Iran to produce more oil, right? Right? But, uh, you know, you want to talk about sanctions. He put the sanctions on the U.S. when he shut down the Keystone XL pipeline as soon as he got into office. And he has... Absolutely. Absolutely. No intention whatsoever of opening that back up, does he? Nope. Nope. Now, the thing is, the thing is, when I see people on social media blaming Biden voters for this, uh, there weren't enough Biden voters to have elected him. So, I mean, were the Biden voters wrong? Were they voting for the guy that was going to bring this down? Sure. Sure. No question. But they didn't elect Biden. It was stolen. So, you know, I don't blame it on the on the Biden voters because there weren't enough of them. You know, I uh, blame it on the people who stole the election. Just so you know. By the way, um, Energy Secretary of the United States, Jen, Jennifer Granholm, 
used to be the uh, governor of Michigan, four months ago, she was on Bloomberg, Bloomberg News, and she was asked what her plans as energy secretary were for increasing domestic oil production here so we don't have to rely on the, the Russians and the Iranians and the Saudis and everybody else. She just thought that was hilarious. Funniest thing she'd ever heard. In Sturgis, Michigan, it is $2.89 a gallon. I guess that's better than in California. What is the grand home plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> that is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC, and they made a decision yesterday that they were not going to increase beyond what they were already planning. He wasn't asking about that, as she knows. He was asking about us increasing our production of oil. You know what I'm saying? That's what he was asking about. But again, again, it's intentional. And again, when they, uh, oh, that's great, thank you. (laughs) When they ask Little Red Lying Hood, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki about it, she's not going to tell you the truth. She's already said, She's already said that it's all because of Putin. Gas prices went up on average in this country a dollar and fourteen cents before Putin did anything to Ukraine. Now they're going up more, sure they're going up more. They're definitely going up more. But it started before started before Putin had anything to do with anything. All right. That having been said. Anybody remember Emerald Robinson? Emerald Robinson. She was the White House correspondent for Newsmax until she got fired. Apparently for saying bad things about the vax. Can't talk bad about the vaccine on Newsmax. Wait, what? I thought Newsmax was the great conservative alternative to Fox News. Uh, Maybe not so much. She's got a new article out from over the weekend. Fox News and Newsmax took Biden money to push deadly COVID vaccines to their viewers. I got that coming up for you. But first of all, first of all, first of all, we are so thankful to our advertisers for allowing us to do this every day. And so I want to mention a couple of them real quickly to you. First of all, if you have tried to buy a car recently, you realize there is such a chip shortage. You may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. Now, that includes the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. And they'll drive it to you, no matter where you are, anywhere in the continental U.S. 
Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still right here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Now, Red River makes it so easy as you browse their selection. You'll see each vehicle has a button on it that says Explore Payment Options. When you click that button, you get guided through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. And I'll say this, if you're in the central Arkansas area, you can just go to one of their car lots like I did. I got a great deal. On a 2013 Honda Accord with only 85,000 miles on it. I'm sure it'll last for a long, long time. But if you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, you can easily order it online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com, you will be glad you did. All right, now, I plan to continue pushing back against the federal overreach. This federal government is trying to get all up in your business. That's something I've done for years and years and years, doing a talk show on the radio, now doing the podcast, and certainly something I plan to do if I'm elected governor of Arkansas. So let me ask you, are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Do your uh, sky-high deductibles prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of those questions, there's a website you need to go to. It's called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see in big, bold letters the words Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Wow. The next thing is a big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now which, of course, you're going to want to do to avail yourself of this wonderful opportunity. You click on the Schedule Call Now button. You book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure your personalized health coverage is a plan that doesn't force you to cover awful things like abortion, which would violate your deeply held religious beliefs. Unlike some of those Obamacare plans where you don't have any choice. Again, the website, MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage. Low to no deductible. No copays. You click on the big, beautiful red button. Schedule call now. You book a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn, who makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com.
com, And you will be glad that you did. All right. Um, why is it? Seems like so many people in our media and the Biden regime want World War Three. Just let let that saute. Let you ruminate on that for a minute. But I want to go to uh, Emerald Robinson's reporting over at Substack. She calls it Emerald Robinson's The Right Way. Headline, Fox News and Newsmax took Biden money to push deadly COVID vaccines to its viewers. Subhead, Corporate news outlets did not disclose the money they took to push dangerous drugs to their conservative audience. And here's what she has to say. Two days ago, Chris Pandolfo at Blaze Media revealed that his media organization had filed FOIA requests, that's Freedom of Information Act requests, regarding the Biden administration's covert funding of the deadly new vaccines and the American corporate media. What they discovered will certainly shock you, and it's a crucial story that our corrupt media will work hard to make the least covered and least discussed new story of the year. What did Chris Pandolfo over the blaze find? He discovered nearly the entire corporate media took money from the Biden administration to push the vaccines to their audiences without disclosing it. More importantly, so-called conservative media organizations took money from the Biden administration to spin positive stories about deadly and ineffective vaccines to their conservative viewers who were right to be suspicious and did not disclose it. Fox News took the money and said nothing to its conservative viewers. Newsmax took the money and said nothing to its conservative viewers. Here's a quote from the Blaze article. In response to a FOIA request filed by the Blaze, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services revealed It purchased advertising from major news networks, including ABC, CBS, and NBC, as well as cable TV news stations, Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC. Legacy media publications, including the New York Post, the LA Times, Washington Post, digital media companies, like BuzzFeed News and Newsmax, and hundreds of local newspapers and TV stations. These outlets were collectively responsible for publishing countless articles and video segments regarding the vaccine that were nearly uniformly positive about the vaccine in terms of both its efficacy and safety, unquote. Emma Robinson says, that is the largest and most comprehensive breach of journalistic ethics that has ever occurred. Almost everybody took the money. Almost everybody lied about the vaccines, knowingly or unknowingly. Almost everybody refused to report anything negative about the vaccines because they were paid to close their eyes. Almost everybody is implicated. Now that the new COVID vaccines have been shown to be not only dangerous and ineffective, but highly dangerous, the American public would naturally expect the American news media to do some investigation into the biggest medical experiment in the history of the world. That's Not going to happen. The American corporate media has been paid off by the Biden administration, so they're running 
Ukraine war footage 24-7. In the hope that the American public will forget the last two years of media-manufactured COVID mania. She says, let me add some personal details to the largest corporate media scandal of the year. She said, I have been contacted by a whistleblower inside Newsmax who has confirmed the broad details of the story. That insider confirms Newsmax executives agreed to take the money from Biden's health and human services to push only positive coverage of the new COVID vaccines. Then, she says, let me add another personal detail. She said, I was contacted by top Newsmax executives and told to halt any negative coverage of the vaccines in 2021. I was told that it was problematic for Newsmax. I was given some version of this warning multiple times by multiple executives. Obviously, I did not heed their advice. Of course, almost everyone else employed in the corporate media did keep their mouths shut. I discussed the outright ban on negative vaccine coverage with other Newsmax producers and top anchors at the time, and they were aware that they could not provide negative coverage of the new vaccines without repercussions from the network. She said, I was contacted by PR experts who worked with Newsmax and was told that medical experts and doctors who might say negative things about the new vaccines would not be booked as guests at all. In other words, the Biden administration's money did not just pay pay for pro-vaccine advertising at outlets like Fox and Newsmax. It paid for an outright ban on any negative coverage. There's a word for that kind of thing, and the word is propaganda. Corporate news executives with no medical training and no expertise began to make ludicrous announcements that were basically blanket endorsements of the deadly and untested vaccines. Chris Pandolfo over the blaze describes this propaganda, and here's the quote. Or as the late, great Rush Limbaugh would say, here's the poll quote. Other publications, such as Los Angeles Times, featured advice from experts on how readers could convince vaccine-hesitant people in their lives to change their minds. The Washington Post covered the pro-vaccine messages people want to hear. Newsmax has reported how the vaccines have been demonstrated to be safe and effective and encourage citizens, especially those at risk, to get immunized. HHS did not immediately respond when asked if the agency used taxpayer dollars to pay for people to be interviewed or for a PR firm to place them in interviews with news outlets. So that's the pull quote. Emerald Robinson continues, Newsmax CEO Chris Ruddy even wrote an op-ed to celebrate Joe Biden's vaccine rollout. He wrote it over at thehill.com and to praise Biden's high poll numbers. This op-ed was basically a personal plea for the American public to take medical advice from a news organization that was secretly taking money from the Biden administration to say positive things about dangerous drugs. Chris Ruddy, CEO of Newsmax, said, and I quote, At Newsmax, we have strongly advocated for the public to be vaccinated. The many medical experts who have appeared on our network have been near unanimous in support of the vaccine. I myself have gotten the Pfizer vaccine. There's no question in my mind countless lives would have been saved 
if the vaccine was available earlier, unquote. She says, meanwhile, Fox News executives are continuing to enforce vaccine mandates with their own employees, even though the mandates have been halted by the courts. Fox is even offering $500 to any employee right now who proves they got the jab. We have just lived through the most extensive propaganda campaign in the history of the world and was paid for with taxpayer dollars. You paid for it. I paid for it. We will probably never know how much money was spent because, according to a source familiar with the Freedom of Information Act request, the Biden administration will not release the amounts under their trade secrets exemption. She says, I've been telling people for the last two years that when the truth comes out about the deadly COVID vaccines, it will topple the American corporate media. Now you know what I was talking about. That's intense. That's intense. And that is the great Emerald Robinson. And, uh, you know, she's got, uh, she got some other articles here that, uh, I'm going to have to get to at some point. One entitled, What Happened to Hannity? The popular Fox News host has explained to do to his audience. Another entitled, The Treachery of Vice President Mike Pence Explained. Subtitled, Who Fired General Flynn and Started the Russia Hoax in the First Place? Which I find fascinating because just a few months ago, my opponent for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, was in Indiana fundraising and doing a PR appearance with her good friend, Mike Pence. So folk hear that and they're like, wait, wait a minute. Mike Pence, wasn't he the guy that stabbed Trump in the back? And look, I have said it before and I'll say it again. So conservatives of goodwill can have different opinions on what Mike Pence should have done on January 6th. I get that. But the problem is, two days earlier, on January 4th, 2021, Mike Pence said that he wasn't going to do what he did. That he would stand up and give a voice to people who wanted the theft of the election to be investigated. And then he didn't. That's the problem with Pence, in my humble opinion. And you're entitled to it. All right, so um, Secretary of Transportation, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, was speaking this morning about what to do with near-record gas prices. Here he is. Clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the American people as well. Last month, we announced a $5 billion investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. EV stands for electric vehicle. So in other words, if you don't like the high gas prices, 
Just spend $55,000, which is the average cost for an electric vehicle. I mean, everybody can find that in their sofa cushions, right? To quote the, the late great philosopher Bugs Bunny, what a maroon. What a maroon. Speaking of what a maroon, Kamala Harris spoke at the same event today. Hat tip to PBS for providing this video. Imagine a future. The freight trucks that deliver bread and milk to our grocery store shelves and the buses that take children to school and and parents to work. Imagine all the heavy-duty vehicles that keep our supply lines strong and allow our economy to grow. Imagine that they produced zero emissions. Well, you all imagined it. That's why we're here today. Because we have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. She's so brilliant. We have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. She is just so brilliant. I don't know how on earth to keep up with her. I just, I just, oh, by the way, The Surgeon General of Florida just announced today that the Florida Department of Health will be the first in the nation to recommend against the vaccine for healthy children because the risks outweigh the benefits. See, one of the things I'm going to do, if my Arkansas listeners like me, Governor of Arkansas, of course, is to fire the director of the Arkansas Health Department and the Surgeon General on day one. But um, between Election Day and Inauguration Day, I want to talk to the Surgeon General of Florida and see if he has some recommendations on who would be a good Surgeon General for Arkansas. I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but last summer, Governor Hutchinson did a COVID-19 town hall in Siloam Springs, Arkansas, and people were yelling at him about the fact that their loved ones were going to the hospital with COVID and the hospitals were refusing to treat them. No therapeutics. Aza said, well, of course they're giving them therapeutics. Isn't that right? Turned to the hospital administrator right, uh, right there who said, not presently, sir. And he was just like, what's that? I implored the Surgeon General of the state of Arkansas, Dr. Greg Bledsoe, to please put out a statement encouraging doctors and hospitals to actually treat people with COVID. He refused. You like me, Governor, he's gone, and the head of the Arkansas Department of Health is gone. Because, I mean, they're bad. This is horrible. Yeah, I'll say it, they're bad guys. No matter what good they might have done in their lives, covering up the idea that people are dying because hospitals and doctors are refusing to treat them for the China virus, that's evil. That's evil. Now, Trying to figure out this whole Russia-Ukraine thing. Vladimir Putin, of course, a gangster, a thug, a murderer. I get it. But the head of Ukraine keeps on doing propaganda and lying to us because he wants us to get in over there. What did Dementia Joe say back in 1997 before he had the dementia? Let's check it out on C-SPAN, 1997. 
I think the one place where the greatest consternation would be caused in the short term for admission, having nothing to do with the merit and preparedness of the country to come in, would be to admit the Baltic states now in terms of NATO-Russian-U.S.-Russian relations. And if there was ever anything that was going to tip the balance were it to be tipped in terms of a vigor. Okay, it reset, but you get the point. You get the idea. He knew, he knew what would cause problems, right? He knew. Now, there's a guy named Steve Kirsch who has he has a million-dollar offer to anyone to come forward for a conversation on the record concerning safety of genetic products being pushed onto Americans. Here for yourself. Just this past Friday, in his testimony to the Pennsylvania State Senate, no one will defend those vaccines in, in, in public. The Vera system has been flashing red alert, red alert since January. I offered a million dollars to people from the outside committee of the CDC and the FDA just to come to the table and have a, have a conversation with me about the evidence. And when they refused the million dollars... I said, okay, name your price. Is $5 million? $10 million? $100 million? What will it take for us to have a civil di- discussion on the record? On the record, on recorded, where we can go through the evidence in the Veris system and other pieces of data so that we can have an open discussion about this. There is no amount of money that you could pay them to compensate them for their time. Wow. That's pretty strong. He's got an article out called uh, License to Kill over at Substack. Subtitle, there's no doubt about it. The vaccine companies have a license to kill. They can kill as many people as they want, and nobody in America is going to stop them. It's all perfectly legal. Wow. Wow. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get that in a little bit. We got it. We have a guest coming up uh, in a couple of minutes, but um, I'm gonna try to get to that. So it's um, it's troubling what's going on. And um, oh, okay. Well, that's that's the sound. That's the sound of the phone ringing. <clears throat> Pardon me. All right, there we go. There we go. Um, without any further ado, I want to um, welcome our next guest to the program, a gentleman named Neil Robinson Kumar. I hope I'm pronouncing the name right. He's a candidate for Congress for the Republican nomination for U.S. House in Arkansas's 3rd Congressional District. Uh, so welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, Mr. Kumar. How are you today? I'm great, Doc. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Thanks for coming on the program. Now, if I understand correctly, you are challenging incumbent Steve Womack 
um, in the in the third congressional district, which uh, is a lot of northwest Arkansas uh, for the U.S. House. Why are you running for Congress? Well, put simply, we are a stateless people without any representation whatsoever. We have nobody in Washington, D.C., in our entire congressional delegation who is looking out for our our interests. And, you know, my opponent, Deep State Steve, as I call him, this is a guy who voted to certify the fraudulent 2020 election. He voted with Nancy Pelosi for her witch hunt January 6th commission, which is, you know, justifying the treatment of Trump supporters as enemy combatants. He took a Pfizer maximum donation and then four days later began pushing the vaccine with his social media. And recently he sent a letter to the Biden regime begging them to eliminate President Trump's tariffs on China. Wow. So this is a guy who does not represent Arkansas at all. Yeah, I mean, asking Biden to get rid of Trump's tariffs on China. Well, frankly, I'm surprised Biden hasn't done it already because, you know, Biden is as pro-China as you want to get, and I believe that he and his son are, uh, you know, compromised uh, by China, probably blackmailed by China. Um, oh, absolutely. But that's 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 shocking that Representative Womack is asking the Biden administration to do that. Um in, in Central Arkansas, in Little Rock, where I am, we realize that Steve Womack is congressman from, you know, 3rd District up in Northwest Arkansas. I realize he's kind of an establishment guy, but I certainly didn't realize that. Uh, folks in Central Arkansas are more focused on, the, you know, our U.S. representative down here and, and, and the, the Senate race, Bozeman, my gubernatorial race, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So, so let me ask you um, – uh, in in doing a little bit of research, trying to get ready for the show, I discovered that um, the Arkansas Republican Party has repudiated you, and they don't want to have anything to do with you. What, what's what's that all about? <laughs> yes, sir. It's my greatest endorsement yet. I wear it as a badge of honor. So basically, um, like I said, Steve Womack no longer represents Arkansans. He is a Money man. He's a corporate funded guy. He's got Walmart, the Walton family, J.B. Hunt, Tyson, defense contractors, Pfizer. And that's what the GOP is. The Republican Party of Arkansas is an incumbent protection racket that is designed to prevent authentic grassroots America first challengers like myself from taking on their corporate money men. So from day one, they have done everything they can to interfere in the primary, which they're not supposed to be able to do, and help. Womack. So, you know, for example, they threw me off stage at a uh, Carroll County GOP Lincoln Day dinner because I I called out Steve to his face for some of the things that I mentioned earlier, like certifying the election. Um, it escalated to the point where, you know, I, I spoke at the rally for medical freedom in, in uh in Little Rock, and you were there, Doc. Yeah, uh, we didn't get to meet, but but uh, yeah, I think you probably so spoke I after spoke I had there. to leave because I had to go do my radio talk show. Uh, so I, yes, I think sir. you probably spoke yeah, I after so. I spoke. I had to take off. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go so, ahead. Oh no, that's fine. So I think it was at that point that they realized that I was a, a, a serious contender, that I really was a real threat against Steve. So a few days later, they disavowed and denounced me as a quote racist, sexist bigot. And uh, they talk like Democrats because they are Democrats. They use these leftist 
fan words and they just throw them at you and they hope they'll stick and they hope they'll shut you up, but they won't. And so, you know, this is just another way that they have attempted to suppress my campaign and help their boy, Steve. Okay. So that's, that's interesting because let, let me ask you, um, I have publicly called for the Republican party of Arkansas, um, to repudiate Governor Hutchinson uh, because he vetoed the SAFE Act, Save Adolescents from Experimentation, the uh, the act that yeah. would um, make it against the law to do puberty blockers to, to sterilize children. Um, I have publicly called uh, called out French Hill for um, saying the election wasn't stolen. So when I went down to the Republican Party of Arkansas office recently, to pay my $15,000 uh, fee to run for governor, um, I didn't really know what to expect. I expected a cool response. I didn't know if they were going to try to pull a fast one. I didn't know what to expect because I don't know these people. What I do know is that I have really publicly been calling out um, Governor Hutchinson, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders running for governor, and French Hill, the current U.S. representative in uh, Central Arkansas, and I, you know, I haven't made any bones about it. So I was kind of surprised, pleasantly surprised, that uh, John L. Fulmer, the uh, chair of the Arkansas Republican Party, who I've never met before, was unfailingly polite, very nice to me. Everybody in the office was very nice to me, um, and I'm like, wow, well, that's that's kind of neat. So what? What what is the difference between you calling out Womack and me calling out Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Aza Hutchinson, and 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 French Hill? Well, uh, like you said, John L is very cordial and polite to your face, but she's the person who is uh, running a smear campaign against me and calling me all kinds of leftist uh, smear words like racist and and bigot. And so the difference is that I unapologetically and unashamedly speak positively about my Southern heritage. I've got uh, 400 years of uh, Southern ancestry. I've got eight ancestors who served in the uh, Confederate Army. And so I speak positively about my Southern heritage and about white people. And you're not allowed to speak positively about white people in this country anymore without being called names. And so they didn't cite any examples for, you know, why they called me what they did. Yeah. But I heard through the grapevine that there, there are certain smear operatives that are working within the party and basically running a whisper campaign against me. And then also I'm calling for a total immigration moratorium. I, I want to shut the border. I, we don't need any more new people, legal or illegal. We have to put a pause on this train because we are losing our country very fast. And so because I'm calling for an immigration moratorium because I speak positively about yeah. white Americans and because I speak positively about my Southern heritage. I guess that makes me a racist white supremacist, even though my last name is Kumar and I'm half Indian. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that your dad is actually from India, so that kind of makes it, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if you could be a white supremacist if your dad's from India. Uh, but no, I do know, I do know talking about a pause on immigration. A lot of people don't know this, that for several decades, uh, in the last century until I think the mid sixties, uh, there was a pause on legal immigration. And of course, uh, uh, president Eisenhower sent back several million, um, 
illegal immigrants in the 50s, and that's, you know, that's several generations ago. People don't realize this. Okay, well, look, before we get to more issues, let me, because I'm just trying to figure this out, let me ask for a little bit more clarification. Um, I think everybody knows that just because Wikipedia says something is not necessarily true, okay? But I did notice you had an article on a website called American Renaissance, and I'm like, gee, I think I've heard of that. So I go to Wikipedia it says American Renaissance is a white supremacist website, uh, former monthly magazine publication funded and edited by a guy named Jared Taylor. Of course, they say he is a white supremacist. He's a racist. I don't know. I don't have any idea. I'm not familiar with this website. I'm not familiar with Jared Taylor. Um, do you think that you are writing on this website and the uh, impression people have that it's white supremacist and this Jared Taylor guy is a racist might have something to do um, with uh, the apparent revulsion that the Arkansas Republican Party has for you. Well, it's like what I already said. Um, it, it's so. So, what American Renaissance is, and what Jared Taylor does, is they are white advocates. They 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 advocate for white interest. And and think about it this way: every race in America is not only allowed but encouraged to promote their racial identity to advocate for their own interests, ex- except the whites, right? Whites are the only race that are not allowed to conceive of themselves as white. And so what American Renaissance is, is just a publication that talks about white interests, right? Like, is this, is this or that policy good for, for white America, right? So, so I'm sure that my writing for white positive publications played a role in the disavowal of me, but if you read American Renaissance, or if you read any of my articles, you'd see, you know, it's not, you know, quote-unquote white supremacist, it's just white positive. It's just speaking positively about whites, which, like I said, you're no longer allowed to do. I mean, look at look at the kind of rhetoric that comes forth from academia, from the education system, from the media, from the government itself. They are allowed to say anything they want to about white Americans. And it's really, it's, it's, it's honestly genocidal in their language. It's really, there's a lot of hatred there. And so you're talking about stuff like the, the the, the 16, are you talking about stuff? I don't know if you hear me. Are you talking about stuff like the 1619 project and uh, critical race theory and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, they're, they're teaching white children that they're evil because they're white. They're, they're, they're destroying statues of American history because they, they call our founding fathers white supremacists and racists and all of that. So really, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a coordinated attack on a majority racial group in this, in this country, and that would not be permitted for any other racial group. Okay, well, let, let me. I, I think you got a uh, an interesting point here. Let me ask you: When I see things like Black History Month, I'm thinking, okay, um, when do we get to the point where we kind of look at what Dr. King said? Looking forward to the day that uh, people are judging the content of the char- their character instead of the color of their skin. Um, you know, if, if we keep on focusing on this race or that race, whether it's white, black, or, or, or otherwise. Um, I don't know. what, And, and of course, the, the push – well, I'm sorry. Let me back up. I've seen plenty of black conservatives on social media 
say, hey, white folks, uh, don't let them tell you that the color of your skin is evil or something. You know, we want to get along. And I'm like, well, that's great. So would you agree with me that it would be nice if we could come to the place where people are judged by the content of the character, not the color of their skin, and we could just kind of get beyond the whole racial thing? Yeah, of course. I mean, that that would be the ideal, but unfortunately that's not going to happen with this current leftist regime that suffuses our entire, you know, every center of institutional power okay. on earth is, you know, uh, controlled by racial maniacs that they're, they're obsessed, right? So we can't go to a, a, a place where we're, you know, colorblind until these people stop their hateful rhetoric. Well, or, or until they are, uh, their power is taken away from them. You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. one of, one yeah. of the things I would want to do as governor and, and will do as governor is to, you know, make it against the law to teach critical race theory and, and, and the 1619 project and all that kind of stuff. Because in my mind, uh, that's racist. That's evil. That's child abuse. The idea that you tell a six-year-old uh, black child you're oppressed because of the color of your skin and tell a six-year-old white uh, child you are evil, you're an oppressor because of the color of your skin, that that is evil. But i, I got to tell you something. Um, and by the way, we're talking to Neil Kumar. He is uh, uh, running for the um, Republican nomination uh, for Congress for the U.S. House. Third District, Northwest Arkansas. To challenge, he's challenging um, the incumbent, Steve Womack. I got to tell you something because we've never spoken before. Um, I didn't know what to expect uh, in this interview, but for you to say, I agree, wouldn't it be nice if people were just judged by the content of their character instead of the color of their skin? Makes me think, okay, well, then these people were wrong. This guy isn't racist after all. Well, yeah, but but also, I mean, the very use of the word racist is is it's a it's a smear word that was sure. invented by communists in the in the nineteen thirties, right? And so, when they even use the word, it automatically is meant to put the subject of the accusation in a defensive position, yeah, from which they can't come back, right? Yeah, so, ad so hominem always tends to do. We that. have to stop using their language. Yeah, well, I see, I think it goes back a little further. I think it goes back to Darwin because a lot of people don't realize, you know, Darwin's, Darwin's origin of the species, you know, the, uh, the, the rest of the, of the title of, of his work. And, you know, it was, you know, definitely, um, I mean, the, let me see, the, um, the origin of, of spe- on the origin of species by means of natural selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's a shame people divide us. And what I've always said on my talk show is, I use the produ- produce section rule. In other words, I go in a grocery store, whether it's Walmart or Harps or Kroger or whatever it is, and I'm in the produce section, and there's a little bit less room there, and I always stop and smile and let the lady pass in front of me, whether she's black, white, Hispanic, or whatever, and there's always a smile in return. And nobody's thinking about, oh, wait a minute, that's the evil white guy, or wait a minute, that's a black lady. We're just human beings. So so that's a good thing. Anyway, I think we beat that to death. 
let's talk about some of the other issues uh, that you think that um, that Steve Womack is not addressing that you think should be addressed. Yeah, so I mentioned the uh, immigration crisis. We, yeah. We've got 400, 500, we don't even know how many thousand illegal aliens pulling across our border on a monthly basis. I mean, these are millions of people invading our our country every year. And if, if, if it is allowed to continue unabated, we are going to lose our country. And so, you know, I would advise people to go to my website, neilforarkansas.com. I've got a very comprehensive platform. But what I'm calling for on, on that front is a total immigration moratorium. We need to finish building the wall, and we have to deport every single illegal that is in our country. And then another issue that this open borders crisis is fueling is the drug crisis. In, in, oh, yeah. in the last two decades, America has lost almost one million of our people to drug overdoses. Fentanyl is the number one cause of death now for Americans 18 to 45. Arkansas saw the third largest increase in the white mortality rate in the entire country in that same period. And what have our politicians done about this? Nothing. They've done absolutely nothing. I lost one of my best friends to a drug overdose at uh, Bentonville wow. High School. And, you know, this is, this is an issue that affects almost everybody in our state, and there's been no action taken on it. Wow. You know, I just want to, again, give some clarification here. The problem with importing millions of people, millions of illegal aliens in, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is we're not just talking about people coming from Mexico and Central America. People from all over the world are coming across our southern border now. you you got people coming in from Kazakhstan and the Middle East and all over the place. And the problem is... um. And the reason I think some people are calling for, you know, as you are, a halt on all immigration for a while, is if you flood this country with a lot of people who do not understand the concept that our founders put together, that we are a constitutional republic um, and don't understand our freedoms, and they're just trying to get away from, basically for economic reasons, from third world countries or at least second world countries to come to the great land of opportunity here. Um, and if they're propagandized by the, the, the power structure, the, the Democrats, the liberals, um, we can get to the point where we do no longer have the kind of freedoms uh, that our founders intended us to have and our founders envisaged for us. And I guess the easiest uh, comeback uh, from opponents, from people who, just don't have a problem with illegal immigration at all is, oh, well, you just don't like brown folks. Again, kind of tough for them to say about you since your dad's from India and I'm sure came here legally. But the the name calling and the ad hominem uh, always serves to distract from the issue, which is if we don't protect our borders, we will lose our country. Right. Without borders, you don't have a a country you have a open-air drug market shopping mall i mean that's what they're trying to turn our country into and you're exactly right uh if you have a third world population 
you have a third world country. Yeah. And the people that are coming to our country are, are coming from, you know, largely countries that have autocratic regimes. Right. That, that's what they're used that to. Are yeah. More compliant. These are not independently, you know, rugged individualists like the American character is. And so they're a more compliant voter base. And so that's why the Democrats are bringing them here because it is ethnic replacement because they want to import a permanent voting majority. Yeah. And well, like I say, if you got people coming in, there's some countries where people coming in from like Kazakhstan or whatever, and they're Caucasians, but again, they're used to, they're used to uh, the dictatorial rule and they're more compliant and they're going to go along to, to get along and, and they don't have the institutional memory that folks who have been here for generations, whether white or black, have of the freedom that we're used to here. Um, yeah, and then and then the, there's also the issue of, of uh, the workforce. I mean, this is this is causing massive wage depression yeah. on the American working class yeah. because these are people that will work for honestly, uh, I mean, slave wages. I mean, they'll they'll undercut the American rate every time. And so you're going to keep seeing mass unemployment at the same time as you're seeing automation rise. And so you're just going to have millions and millions of unemployed young men. And that's always a a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Now let me ask you about a, a a different issue that is uh, very much in the news and has been for many years. uh, The abortion issue. Uh, Pro-lifers are hoping and praying that perhaps the U.S. Supreme Court at the end of the term this year, in, in June, I believe, would overturn Roe v. Wade. Your, your thoughts on that, sir? Yeah, I've got the strongest uh, anti-infanticide pro-life platform that America has ever seen. I, I'm calling for the total criminalization of infanticide, and that's what it is. You know, abortion sanitizes it. It's baby killing. And so what that includes is I want to... Uh, take away the medical licenses from abortionists and prosecute them for murder. I want to charge and try uh, politicians and donors who finance abortion providers as accessories to murder. And I want to end the you know massive organ traffic and fetal body parts uh, because that is corpse abuse. So we have to attack this from every angle and end this because, I mean, this is the real Holocaust. I mean, 60, 70 million babies have been murdered since Roe v. Wade, yeah. at least, yeah. right? I mean, this is this is one of America's greatest sins. Yeah, it is. It is. And a lot of people don't realize that Margaret Sanger, who started Planned Parenthood over 100 years ago, was, you know, if you want to call somebody a racist, that's who you ought to look at. Uh, she spoke at Klan rallies. She said horrible things about trying to reduce the birth rate of black folks that were, you know, already here for generations. Uh, Hillary Clinton herself said Margaret Sanger was a great hero of hers. So, you know, when I get into arguments with uh, liberals on social media, I just tell them, in my opinion, Planned Parenthood is white supremacism. You want to look at you want to look for your white supremacists? That's Planned Parenthood. So anyway, I don't know if you want to address that or not. 
Uh, I don't have anything to to add to that, but um, you know what, what I will say is that you know we need to do everything that we can to prevent Planned Parenthood and providers like it yeah. from being able to operate here. You know, in in uh, so Benton County is where I live, and Benton County proudly calls itself a pro-life county. Well, it, is it really? Because there's a Planned Parenthood that just opened up in Rogers. Oh my! So you know, I'm thinking. These state legislators, you know, they pat themselves on the back and talk about how great they are and how pro-life they are. That should never have been allowed to happen. When a medical facility goes for sale, the state should buy it, and then the state should decide who to sell it to to prevent abortionists from buying that land. There you go. There you go. Okay, uh, Neil Kumar has been our guest today. The website is neilforarkansas.com. That's N-E-I-L. And the uh, the word for F O R Neil for Arkansas dot com. I appreciate you coming on the program today because I've heard uh, you know a lot of stuff about you, and I I really appreciate you kind of clarifying some stuff. And I, you know, I I hope that's been a, a, a help to you. Well, yes, sir, and uh, thank you for having me. And I wish you the best of luck in your race against uh, Sarah Sanders. All right, thank you so much, Neil Kumar. Have a great day. Thank you. So there you go. I had been told, oh, this guy's a racist. Oh, he's a white supremacist. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, but what I do know is he's running for office in Arkansas. And not just any old office. He's not running for city council or county commissioner. Or they call it justice of peace in Arkansas. He's actually running for um, a seat in the U.S. House. So, you know, I need to talk to him. And like I say, When he said, well, sure, it would be great if people could be judged on the content of their character instead of the color of their skin. But the problem is, you know, that so many in our educational institutions want to keep that from happening. And as long as they have power, they will do everything they can to keep that from happening. I'm like, well, okay, wait a minute. Everybody's telling me this guy's a racist. You know, but I don't know. I got to talk to him. If he had um, equivocated on Dr. King saying people should be um, judged on the content of their character instead of the color of their skin, I would have, I would have said, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got an opening here. I got to bore in. I got to, you know, I got to dig a little deeper on this. But no, he's like, well, sure, that of course that would be great. But the problem is that there's so many in our establishment that don't want folks of different ethnicities to get along. I just, you know, I've had conservative Republicans tell me, oh, this guy's a racist. I'm like, well, I'll I'll find out. I'll ask enough questions to find out. As far as I'm concerned, if somebody agrees with Dr. King, that the best of all possible worlds would be if we could just judge people on the content of their character instead of the color of their skin, then by definition, the guy can't be a racist. I mean, I hope that hope that makes sense to you. All right. We are thankful. And by the way, there, there are going to be people who are not happy with me giving Neil Kumar a platform. 
on the Doc Washburn Show and are going to be quite unhappy that I came to the conclusion the guy's not a racist. Because let me tell you something. If he'd answer that question wrongly, I was prepared to go after him 100%. But I can't go after a guy who just proved to me that he's not a racist. I, uh, so, anyway. Anyway. See, I'm a Christian, and um, my parents raised my little brothers and me to believe that God gave his son to die on the cross for the sins of all kinds of people. God's no respecter of persons. We're all made in God's image regardless of our ethnicity. And so that's that's my background. That's where I'm coming from. And I'm old enough to remember now the bad old days of segregation. I'm old enough to remember signs that said whites only, no colors allowed, all that kind of stuff. And my, my parents brought me up explaining to me and my little brothers, that's evil, that's wrong. Okay? I'm certainly old enough to remember people using the N-word in school, and I knew that was evil, I knew that was wrong, because my parents have brought us upright. And to me, it's a grievous thing People who want to go back to that. Which is why, if I'm elected governor of Arkansas, no critical race theory will be taught in public schools to children in this state. It's evil, it's racist, and it's child abuse. All right, now, of course, the views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washington show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers. However, we love them and they love us. I want to say a word for a couple of them right now. Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton, Benton, Arkansas, is a former insurance adjuster, left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. He really helped me out when I was in two automobile accidents in 2019 and now he's helping me out with the uh, accident I was in December 17, 2021, in which I was rear-ended at full speed on Colonel Glen Road in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, the Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin meant to make sure the mental law firm always works hard for you. So whether you're hurt in a car wreck, hurt on the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in the state of Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com. 
com today. All right, now, let me tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain? How about back pain? How about vertigo? Do you have problems with your blood sugar? Okay, now look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. So, when they take your picture, whether you're sitting down or standing up, do you naturally lean to one side or the other? If you do, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. Okay? Let me tell you how that works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, your reproductive system, your circulatory system, yes, even your digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, back pain, neck pain, vertigo. For that matter, it can even cause problems with your blood sugar. Okay? So, if you're having these issues, do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, you want to call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center for a free consultation, 501-279-2009 to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If you're outside central Arkansas, but you're like, hey, this sounds like something that I really need to look into. Okay, the website is turnmypoweron.com. You go to that website, turnmypoweron.com, and you click on the tab that says find a doctor near you. And I hope there is one. All right. Now, having said that, I think it's that time again. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. Leaves in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anyway, anywhere in the continental U.S. Okay, so the tweet of the day. Somebody put together something that looks like a selfie. Okay. And Cambry, Cam TV, says, who did this? And you see the big Chevron sign, gasoline 579.9, regular, 589.9 plus, and 599.9 supreme. And in front of the gas station sign, obviously from California, where it's always higher out there, 
is a smiling Joe Biden holding his hand up with a cell phone in it, taking a selfie of himself and the gas prices that have gone through the roof. So that, that is your tweet of the day because Joe Biden did this all intentionally, and not just Biden because, you know, you don't know how much he even understands or realizes anymore. He's having a hard time just deciding between vanilla and chocolate tapioca pudding. But the guys that, uh, that pull his strings, you know what I'm saying? Thank you, Red River, your way for today's tweet of the day tying Joe Biden to the overwhelming increase in gas prices. Okay, we have a um, testimony from a couple of doctors gave testimony late last week at the Tennessee House Health Subcommittee. And, of course, Twitter says this is misleading because they don't want the truth getting out about the vaccine. Here we go. 700,000 people in the study in Israel, just so you know, that showed that the double vax were 27 times more likely to get reinfected. So it's not the vaccine, even if we just talk about that, is not stopping infection. It's not stopping transmission. If you look at the studies in England, in Scotland, in the northern countries in Europe where they get real data, that they're actually the triple vaccinated are the most likely to die. So bottom line is that we, as we go forward, the natural immunity is long, broad, and durable. And I don't know if he mentioned it, but we have SARS-CoV-1 patients who still had immunity 18 years later. Let that sink in. 18 years later, we still had immunity from SARS-CoV-1 to SARS-CoV-2. This is long, broad, durable immunity. So what I want to say in closing is, Natural immunity should be considered legally to be at least equal to vaccinated immunity, and immunity is likely lifelong. Thank you. Yeah, social media doesn't like that because there's too much money in the vaccines. You know what I'm saying? Too much money in the vaccines is what I'm trying to tell you. So Steve Kirsch over at uh, Substack Article called License to Kill. Subtitle, there's no doubt about it. The vaccine companies have a license to kill. They can kill as many people as they want. And nobody in America is going to stop them. It's all perfectly legal. And he says the the most frustrating thing about this pandemic is there's no doubt that the drug companies have killed over 150,000 Americans, yet nobody with authority to stop these vaccines wants to talk about the evidence. The vaccine program is done under the pretext of saving 10,000 lives. The Pfizer Phase three trials show the drug saved approximately one COVID life for every 22,000 people fully vaccinated for the COVID variants existing over a year ago. But nobody really wants to look at the excess all-cause mortality caused by the vaccines, also known as the collateral damage. Is there a viable case, pardon me, is there a viable cause of action to stop any of this? I haven't found it. See, the law shields the drug companies and everyone associated with the vaccination process from all liability. They basically have a license to kill. The CDC should be criminally negligent for not, for not recognizing the obvious safety signals. However, because they are an authority in the minds of the court, they can do no wrong. 
There is a reasonable minds may differ defense here. And our courts believe that the CDC has reasonable minds. So how can there be negligence when reasonable minds don't find a safety signal? It's the perfect crime. You can literally get away with murder. Now, people are being killed, but nobody's being charged with a crime, as far as I know. Are there any district attorneys or state or federal prosecutors that can find a viable cause of action? Let's look at the evidence. The evidence of harm has been hiding in plain sight, including, number one, an estimated reportable adverse event rates of 20% of those fully vaccinated. There are over 200 million vaccinated. One million reports on VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And VAERS is at least 41 times underreported. So what he's saying here is you take the reports of adverse effects from the vaccine in the VAERS system and multiply that by 41. Number two, an estimated death due to vaccine of over 150,000 Americans. And he's got the link to that. Number three, embalmers, embalmers now, reporting up to 93% of cases have telltale blood clots associated with the vaccine. Number four, blood before and after the vaccination is visually very different. Number five, rates of myocarditis as high as 2%. And he links to Monte Vista Christian School, the article on that. Number six, rates of neurological damage as high as 4.5%. And he links to the Israeli Ministry of Health survey. Number seven, a minimum of 30%, Peter Schermacher's study, to 93% Bhakti study, links to both, of deaths post-vaccine attributed to the vaccine. Number eight, a post-marketing survey disclosed by Pfizer is pretty consistent with the VAERS data reports. He says, I'll write a separate substack report later, but I didn't see any smoking gun that isn't already in the VAERS reports where we already knew about thousands of adverse events types. Number nine, an estimate of deaths and underreported, underreported findings by Joel Smalley links to that using death data in Massachusetts that confirms earlier numbers. Joel calculated underreported findings of 41, matching mine exactly. He also calculated deaths per million doses of 945, which is even higher than the 411 deaths per million doses, doses calculated by Matthew Crawford, number 10, The Skidmore paper, How Many People Die from the COVID-19 Inoculations, an estimate based on a survey of the United States population, which estimated 294,000 excess deaths from the vaccine. Number 11, German insurance company data estimate done by Matthew Crawford, yielding an estimate of 120,000 deaths in the U.S. caused by the vaccines. Number 12, troubling anecdotal reports. And he links to a whole article on that, which is pretty long. But you might want to look at it. It says, more recently, we now also have evidence of reverse transcription in vitro, which is troubling because the CDC assured us this could not happen. 
We don't know the in vivo rates. In plain English, in test tube experiments, part of the gene sequence from the vaccine is getting sent back into our DNA, which is extremely troubling to everyone because that wasn't supposed to happen. It's important to note that we are not yet seeing the actual transposition of spike DNA into the host-slash-human genome, where this can permanently alter this human genome, and likely not in a good way. For more on this, see this comment from BC, and uh, he links to another one, another article. Rather than halt the vaccines while this is being investigated, we, of course, do the opposite and encourage or mandate additional booster doses. It's even more tragic when it's being done to our kids by their schools and universities. They call it protecting our kids. One final data point, he says, is that I have an open bet of $1 million that over 1,000 people have been killed by these vaccines, making them officially the most deadly vaccine in U.S. history and too unsafe to use. The point of the bet is to show that nobody in the world has any confidence at all that the vaccines are really safe. Otherwise, they would take my money as a sure thing bet. So, how do we hold these people criminally liable? He says, it seems pretty clear the people in charge are never going to voluntarily stop killing people. Is there a way to hold these people criminally liable? That seems to be our best option. It will take a mass re-education, and that seems hard since the mainstream media is dedicated to supporting the false narrative. He says we have to red pill millions of people. Here are a few ways to do that. He said, I learned something on Thursday from a concierge doctor, which was mind-blowing to me. Re-education is possible. She was single-handedly able to red pill 96% of her patient base and put them on the right road. The other 4% decided to leave her practice. The fastest re-education took just 90 minutes of, quote, I'm here to answer all your questions about what I've just told you about the vaccines, unquote. The longest took many hours. The effort was successful for two reasons. Number one, she has credentials as a trusted healthcare professional, a doctor. Number two, there was a pre-existing trust relationship. The doctor was red-pilling her own patients, not someone else's patients. Wow. The second part was critical to her success. She doesn't know how critical it was because it's not like other doctors are calling her up and asking her to red pill their patients. So that's one approach, mass educate doctors and have doctors red pill their patients. The second approach is to focus on red pilling key medical thought leaders who have some critical thinking skills left. Oh, boy. A third approach is to red pill large audiences that can drive change. I think college campuses like Harvard, Stanford, MIT, etc., are potential candidates for this approach. We'll have to try this a few times and see what happens. I can tell you that most kids on college campuses are blue-pilled on this issue. If you reach out to most any student newspaper on this topic, you'll be unlikely to get a return call. If you call the Chicago Thinker and get lucky enough to talk to a red-pilled staffer like Eden Nagusi or Daniel Schmidt, you'll get a warm reception. About 50% of the staff there is red-pilled. If you call the establishment student newspaper, the Chicago Maroon, and talk to Irene Key, you're wasting your time and hers. A fourth approach is to create a new alt-media channel focused on exposing stories that the mainstream media refuses to accurately report. 
It could incorporate voices from sources such as Cheryl Ackeson, Kim Iverson, The High Wire, The Epic Times, The Expose, The Stu Peters Show, etc. Hey, don't leave me out. He says, I love Cheryl Atkinson's tagline, which is untouchable subjects, fearless nonpartisan reporting. Exactly. We need a whole network like this. A fifth approach is to hold public officials accountable and expose them publicly as damaging the public health by pushing the vaccine, masking, etc. This is nearly impossible for the average person to do because these public officials never answer any questions at all from the public they serve. Even U.S. Senator Ron Johnson can't get CDC Director Rochelle Walensky to answer a few simple questions. He has a link to that. Most city council members are deferential to the local public health official and never ask any hard questions. The way we win this is not from a single idea or strategy. It's from all of us getting involved to make a difference in our community. There are millions of us, and these are just a few ideas. What are you doing today to make a difference? That's strong. I would I would post on my Facebook page, but then they'll probably suspend me for a few more weeks. But it's Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H, Steve Kirsch at Substack. So it's stevekirsch.substack.com. I article is entitled License to Kill. I hope you have found it edifying. All right, you've been listening to episode 102 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. Well, that's the way it is. Monday, March 7th, 2022.